Welcome to the Encast. I am your host, Josh Heath, and we are the podcast for everything Nova related, everything Trinity Continuum related. I am excited to be here talking about the release, or at least the pre release release of Aberrant for the Trinity Continuum Second Edition. And I am joined by my friend and colleague, Terry Robinson. Terry, how are you today? I am doing fine. Uh, time has no meaning. So my work schedule has shifted to, I work from like midnight to 4 a.m. And then from like 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And people seem to be okay with that. And as a note to the listener, I do math for a living. So there's, <laughs> it's not like I'm a shift worker or anything like that. And I'm I, I think I know what day it is, and that's only because it's in the lower right-hand corner of my uh, my computer screen. And how are you? I am well. I am sorry that your life is uh, twisted between time and space the way it is at the moment, but I am happy to be talking to you. Um, I invited Terry to be on this episode of the NCAST because while I am a huge fan of Aberrant and love it, and want to talk about this uh, PDF release, I am in no way capable of staying on topic long enough for it to be an interesting conversation. So Terry is going to help us structure this conversation a little bit, make it interesting, and have everyone get something out of my excitement and joy for this game. I always have concern when someone's like, we need someone to keep us on topic. I'll ask Terry. I got to officiate a friend of mine's wedding and uh, the, the duo were like, you are the least dramatic person we know. Like, that's terrifying. Like, if I'm, if I'm the least dramatic you can get, you need to, you need better friends. Anyway, uh, so um, Aberrant, what is, what is the Trinity Continuum and where does Aberrant fit into it? Okay, so the Trinity Continuum is a group of games uh, created by Onyx Path Publishing. Onyx Path bought the rights from CCP back in the day, who we purchased the rights from White Wolf back in the day. This is the type of thing that I could get lost in talking about the IP rights for a long time. There's no point in doing that. But the Trinity Continuum is a set of games based around this premise of alternate realities and a continuum of time and space and every game that is produced within the Trinity Continuum has a different genre to it. So there is a core rule set book that is effectively a today setting, uh, maybe tomorrow setting if you want to uh, assign it that sort of like just the near future. Um, and it is effectively a spy game is the core premise of that uh, game, or at least an action adventure sort of uh, game. There are lots of different things you can do with it, but it essentially you are in that core game playing people that are more capable than regular people at whatever it is that you're doing. So Ocean's Eleven type story or something like that where people are just really, really good at something and succeed at whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, there's a far future setting called Aeon, which is effectively a space opera, but also allows you to do pretty much any type of sci-fi you want where you play psychic characters or scions with a P. Um, I differentiate the P and the S scion because there is a game by Onyx Path Publishing, which is called Scion, which gets really confusing. Poseidons versus Scions. Exactly. 
Um, and that game is one that I've played a little bit of, didn't get into the first edition as much as I did uh, Aberrant, but Aberrant is the near future superheroes setting for the Trinity Continuum. Okay, so when you say superhero, I immediately think one of two things, X-genes or exposure to cosmic radiation. Uh, since this is a world not unlike ours, what is the mechanism by which one gains superpowers or what is the collection of mechanisms? Yeah, it's a mix of both, which is really, really interesting that there's this uh, sense that there are baseline humans or regular people, baselines in this setting, who are waiting for something to make them erupt or become uh, a superhero, become an aberrant, become a Nova. Nova is the in-world term for these superheroic people. Um, becoming a Nova is something that is inherent to your genetics. However, there is some sort of external force that has to be applied for you to go through the process of becoming a Nova. Usually, those moments are interactions with um, something dangerous. And in the world, there is this idea that there's an energy called flux. This is a second edition only uh, concept, but there is this force called flux that uh, exists throughout the multiverse, throughout multiple dimensions. Um, and that force is what instinctively you are impacted by or that you control and what makes you become a Nova. Okay, so um, creation is suffused with essence and at some moment the latent destiny within you that has been written into the loom of fate is activated and you exalt becoming one of the chosen. Got it, completely new gaming territory. This is perfect. Um, Nothing but, like mage or exalted Terry. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if we get rid of all games where it's like things are normal, you have potential, something happens, you reveal the potential. I think we get rid of almost all RPGs, except for like Chubo's magical wish granting engine, right. um, <laughs> and maybe Apocalypse World. <laughs> like those are the two that you wind up with. Lasers and feelings, maybe. Um, but uh, I am familiar somewhat with the previous Aberrant that came out in the late '90s, early 2000s, or something like that. In that setting, Aberrant was not was within normal continuity, but it was very much a kind of um, yes, these entities have great power, but we already know ahead of time that it's either going to destroy humanity or they're going to be launched into space. That does not appear to be the conceit here. How are aberrants portrayed in this setting and how has that changed from previous portrayals? That is an excellent question and one that's going to require a couple of layers of answer. So okay. in first edition, the continuity was set in that Aeon was in the future Aberrant was in the near future and adventure was in the past. And regardless of anything else, those three settings were set and the kind of continuity of what happened and what would inevitably happen was as set in stone as any RPG can be. In this new edition, the creators, including Ian A.A. Watson, who I am incredibly thankful for loving the continuum probably more than I do. I'll give him that. Um, his intent as the developer was to make things so that there was a continuum of opportunity. So the alternate future idea, the alternate timeline idea is much more present 
in the Trinity Continuum Second Edition than it was in the first editions of these games. So while yes, it is possible that the Novas of today become the aberrants of the future in Aeon, that's not necessarily the case. You can intentionally create a game that goes against that, that builds a different future, and it's just an alternate timeline that you live in as opposed to the main timeline that says, hey, an aberrant war is going to occur. All the aberrants leave the Earth, and the Scions rise up and protect Earth from aberrants returning in the future. The other thing that makes me think aberrant, or at least the first edition was, it proposed uh, radically different changes to Earth politics and near future history than what most people consider. Uh, you had the idea that there was this exploding uh, space station, the glacier, the Galatea, that uh, washed us with radiation that eventually set off things in the um, NM node or whatever. And then you have the fireman as the first thing, which proves to be the second one because Max Mercer has been running around the whole time. Has that uh, continuity been, what, what elements of that continuity have been preserved, if any? So lots of that continuity still exists and some of it has been adjusted and changed a little bit. So the Ende, Galatea, or Galatia, I'm not 100% sure what the pronunciation of that um, space uh, station was, but um, it explodes and causes, uh, seemingly causes, the eruption of the first group of Novas on Ende, on the first day that Novas exist and are uh, discovered. The very first Nova to erupt and that process of becoming a Nova is that eruption. And it usually is violent. It usually is very obvious. That first Nova is the fireman, Randall Portman, um, who is one of my favorite characters in both first edition and second edition for completely different reasons. Um, but I'll talk about the fireman here in a little bit because he is uh, absolutely like uh, a fan favorite of mine. Um, and I think a very important figure in the world, but in, First edition, the fireman erupts, he becomes the first Nova, he becomes kind of world-renowned as the first Nova, but he stays outside of Project Utopia. Project Utopia being this organization that is effectively the Justice League of, of this world, who Novas often join and become part of this kind of world-saving thing. Uh, we'll talk about Project Utopia a little bit more, I think, in a minute. But in first edition's continuity, Libertarians end up winning the election in 2000, I think, or 2008. I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember the exact timeline, um, which if anyone knows American politics is pretty ludicrous that that would have occurred. Um, and I don't say that to disparage my libertarian listeners, but I do think we all know that it's fairly unlikely that you're going to win an election on the presidential side anytime soon. Um, in First edition's continuity, Randall Portman decides to run for president and is going to be set up to be the first Nova president of the United States of America. Um, in second edition, they've moved totally away from that and uh, the fireman was totally against running for office because he viewed the idea of celebrity presidents to be a very negative thing. Um, I'll leave that alone from the political perspective of today, um, but the fireman was very clear he didn't want to run for president in the second edition continuity. Instead, he joined Project Utopia. He was at the Sao Paulo um, uh, explosion, an explosion that uh, almost destroyed the entire city. He was there. 
he attempted to um, use his powers to absorb all the heat and radiation and fire from that blast and ends up dying heroically, trying to save as many people as possible. Um, I cried, admittedly, when I read his story in second edition because I saw him as a fairly pure figure in first edition. He was one of the few morally good characters you could find in first edition um, who was trying to do the right thing all the time, who was trying to help people, who believed in helping people, believed in the things that he stood for as a Nova. And in second edition, he takes all of that and sacrifices himself in doing a good thing, um, which is something I see totally within his character. Um, and it shows the shift between first edition and second edition, where first edition is a very morally gray world where horrible things happen, horrible things are in, set up in the background happening to the Novas. In second edition, the world's a little lighter, a little brighter, a little more hopeful. Um, and that sense of hope suffuses second edition. And I think Randall Portman is the central figure that exposes that sense of hope within this edition of the game. Okay. Um, so yeah, in the original one, 2008, he runs for, uh, and becomes, uh, president in the timeline. That is the fireman figure that is seen on the front of the original, uh, aberrant book, or at least used in its promotional art. Um, the, when I think though of that, that, that aberrant thing was we, in first edition, we have these superpowered entities that can help deal with superpowered uh, problems, but ultimately they themselves become the biggest threat. With one of the coolest moments in a fictional universe uh, being when China is basically like, we are tired of Nova's breaking everything. We will literally nuke the entire planet unless you leave. Uh, does it have that moment? Or alternatively, what are the antagonists like in this game? That's a multi-layered question. So. The China question is one that does happen the same exact way in Aeon. So Aeon being the far future setting, looking back on this time frame, China does turn all of its uh, orbital nukes onto the planet and says, leave or we're going to blow you up and blow everything up with you. Um, and the aberrants decide, hey, we're going to leave because we don't want to destroy everything. Uh, Divis Maul, who is a key figure of the Nova Age, takes all of the aberrants or the novas and leaves uh, Earth in, in the future of this setting. Um, aberrant is an interesting setting because it's still morally gray enough that there are no true villains or villain groups. There are groups that represent different philosophies and different focuses of what uh, the future could hold for Nova kind. So there are a group of um, Novas connected to Project Utopia. There are a group of Novas connected to an organization called the Terrigen. An organization I uh, use very loosely because the Terrigen are a philosophy of people, of Novas, that believe that they are uh, separate from humanity's future and that they have their own destiny and that they have their own right to rule themselves outside of human laws and morals and systems. Um, in first edition, the Terrigen are kind of presented as Nova terrorists that are, if not definitely supervillains, they are leaning towards supervillain hood. And in second edition, they are much more, we have a gray 
philosophy that is in some ways in contrast to this sense of humanity and hope, but still very much focused on we want to take care of ourselves. And within the Terrigen, there is a group called the Aberrants in second edition. In first edition, the Aberrants were a different group. This gets confusing. But in second edition, the Aberrants are a subgroup of the Terrigen who are explicitly terrorists that are trying and killing people who are doing things to hurt Novas around the world. Okay, so there is that still present Nova separatist movement or the idea that uh, we are the next stage of human evolution. We are uh, homo novus or whatever um, to to kind of separate it and you get to navigate that. Um, You mentioned that it was was multi-layered and previously you had mentioned uh, Project Utopia or something like that. What are those? What, 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 what is the organizational view then in Aberrant? Sure. So uh, the world sets up this idea that in the past, I'm going to go back in history a little bit to, to explain what Project Utopia is. In the past, in the 1920s, an organization was founded called the Aeon Society. The Aeon Society at the time for gentlemen, however, the gentleman gets knocked off the name fairly quickly. Um, the Aeon Society was set up after an explosion caused the very first Nova, potentially, to be unleashed on the world. And that Nova being um, uh, Donegal. Maxwell Mercer? Ma- oh, okay. Well, Maxwell Mercer is a talent. So in okay. the core rulebook, you play talents or those people that are really exceptionally good at things. Maxwell Mercer is a, the very first talent to have oh, okay. erupted. Uh, because of an experiment called the Hammersmith experiment. I'm trying not to drown in all these specifics, but I love them. I love all of these different like layers and nuances of the story. Um, And his companions um, also go through changes. Um, People around him, one of them becomes a scion or a syad. She is a, uh, an Indian woman that becomes the very first of the scions of the future. Um, and then there's, um, oh, and I, I'm just going to remember his last name for the moment, but for whatever reason, his first name, Michael, Don, Michael Donegal, um, it becomes the first Nova. He eventually becomes Divismal and becomes this figure who uh, it caused the Nova age and caused the Galatea explosion. The Aeon Society exists through the next hundred years. And they work with the UN after end day, after the first day that Nova's erupt and are become obvious to the world, they work with the UN to establish an organization called Project Utopia, with Project Utopia's goal being, we wanna make the world better for everyone. We wanna use Nova abilities to make the world a better place to be. So they wanna clean up the uh, environment, they want to stop organized crime, they want to uh, do research in medical uh, fields and uh, technological fields to make things better for people. So they create a cure for cancer. They create a cure for um, several different uh, things like HIV and other viruses that are out there. They clean up uh, the environment. They make Ethiopia the breadbasket of Africa. Uh, by doing some uh, environmental manipulation, which may or may not be good for the environment, but they do it anyway. Um, And 
Project Utopia is ostensibly in first edition, this beacon of hope, but there's all this darkness underneath this beacon of hope in first edition. There's this um, plot to sterilize Nova's and there's this plot to um, kill any Nova that becomes too powerful on a certain level. All the uh, heroes involved with project Utopia have this dark underbelly to them. And in second edition, they move starkly away from that. And they say Project Utopia is actually about 98% good. And the things that they are trying to do are 98% good and actually up uh, above the surface. And they're trying to do the things that they say that they're going to do. There are some dark elements within Project Utopia, uh, including an organization called Project Proteus. But unlike first edition, Project Proteus is a very small group they are uh, trying to do some dark things, but they are doing it ultimately for the greater good because they see the potential for things to go completely wrong with Novas. Um, that is the big difference between the first edition Project Utopia and uh, second edition is that Project Utopia is actually up on the level most of the time. When I think aberrance, I think mega stats where in traditional old world of darkness you'd be like wow you have a strength of five that's great where in aberrant 1e you could be like i have a strength of 50 where like each dot of a mega attribute counted as 10 or added automatic successes or something something ridiculous what do the powers or abilities of an aberrant systematically and narratively look like in this game that is a great question so they retained almost all of the mechanical elements of first edition, at least in the ideas of them, in that there are mega attributes and that there are quantum powers, quantum referring to the quantum forces of the universe that Novas manipulate. So the nuclear weak and strong and um, other quantum forces that for whatever reason, my brain is not pulling up all the answers I mean, to. Gravity and electromagnetic. But Great, thank you. That's <laughs> Got the four. <laughs> <laughs> At least we got there. Um, this is why I asked you to help me out, Terry. Um, in all of that, you have mechanically those same things are brought over into second edition. You have mega attributes. So mega attributes are, from a scale point of view, just using that scale in the lower S word, um, that much better than regular humans. So a human with a strength of five is just one of the strongest people in the world. A Nova with a mega strength of five is capable of lifting the earth. So that's kind of the, the range of, of powers that you have. And there's a mechanical system called scale, which helps to uh, mechanically control how that all works. So if you have a mega attribute of uh, a dot or two higher than anyone with a regular attribute, you immediately are going to crush them um, just with the way that the system works. There's no way for uh, a strength five person to withstand a mega strength plus three person. It's just going to, they're completely gonna wreck them. Um, and that system is really hard for me to explain because it's really baked into the mechanics of uh, Trinity Continuum Core's rules and into Aberrant. But scale gives you enhancement. Enhancement gives you extra successes if you succeed at something. Um, and all of that to say, 
there is a good system for explaining the way that those mega attributes work. Um, and then you have your quantum powers, your Nova powers. And those are uh, mo a modular system that is designed so you can have a quantum blast, for example, um, that is expressed in a way that works for your character's concept. If you are a firebender or some sort of fire manipulating character, your quantum blast is going to look like a burst of fire. If you are an ice wielder of some form, your quantum blast is going to look like a bunch of ice or freezing rain or something like that. Um, or it might be literally a blast of quantum energy. Um, and that mechanically is the same, but how it's described and the meta narrative around it is different. And all of the powers are designed to be like that so that you can explain the look, feel, design, and idea behind all of your powers in your way that makes sense for you, the, the paradigm, as it were, of your character, the way that they erupted, the way their powers are supposedly organized within their mind. But mechanically, it's all the same systems. So you can have to two totally different characters with the same powers that look and feel completely different. So is this absolutely over the top in the sense that is it just one of those things where I just get to be mega strong all the time? Is there a resource I spend to use this? As I use it, do I acquire uh, the delightfully named taint from previous editions? Uh, what, what is the moderation mechanic, if any, in this game? So there are a couple of layers to that. So you have quantum, which is a resource that you gain and lose and use to uh, use some of your powers. Some of your abilities are preset. They always are there. Um, you always have access to them. Uh, um, some of them you have to spend quantum to turn on. Um, and quantum is represented as the force of your quantum energy moving through you, moving from the universe. It is the flux that is connected to the multiverse of realities around you. Um, you're pulling directly on that energy. There's also, you mentioned taint in first edition, there's this idea that as you use your powers, as you go along in time, you become less and less human. As you use your powers more and more, you just become uh, mentally and physically distant from the rest of humanity. And that is what ultimately causes the aberrant war, is that Nova's become completely separated from humanity because of this, um, this force that is driving them away. In second edition, this force is called transcendence. And transcendence, while potentially negative, is not necessarily so. It changes you as you are getting uh, farther and farther along on your power scale. You are still becoming slowly separated from humanity because you just have powers that no normal person can understand and a worldview that is so separate and divorced from regular people that you're having trouble kind of grounding yourself. But there is the ability within the system to literally ground yourself um, into your humanity and reduce the impacts of transcendence as you are gaining power. So you can gain quantum now, you can gain powers and get them cheaper in character creation or uh, from XP by buying them with transcendence. In the first edition, it would be buying them with taint. 
um, and that causes transformations and changes physically and mentally to people. But there are ways mechanically for you to not be as uh, impacted and still be more human or at least understanding of humans uh, issues as the system goes along. So I can buy new powers by using transcendence, which may come cheaper, or I can use more hard rot um, experience points, which may not result in me becoming more distant from humanity. Or is that a, is that a reasonable yes. way to put it? I think that's a reasonable way of putting it. Okay. Uh, so we, we know the standard superhero powers. Um, what are two or three that you found particularly interesting as you were thumbing through? Sure. I think my favorite is warp. Warp is the ability to create a portal to go from one place uh, to another. Um, warp is essential to some of the storyline of Trinity Continuum. Um, and what I mean by that is without warp, you wouldn't have extra solar colonies that are set up during the Aberrant Age. And those colonies become really important in Aeon when uh, the Scions are discovering all of these different colonies that got lost during this time frame. And they're finding humans and sometimes Novas living alongside one another, where in that era, they view all humanity and Nova kind as ultimate enemies to one another. So I find warp just mechanically to be really interesting because I think it's a fun power to be able to uh, bamf, as it were, from one place to another. Um, and two, I think it's interesting from a meta plot standpoint um, because it's super important to where the story goes. Um, another one that I really uh, appreciate or find interesting is absorption. Um, absorption being the ability to uh, take power from whatever it is and uh, bring it into yourself and contain it. Um, this is the power that the fireman had. He could absorb fire and radiation um, and would just bring it into himself and would kind of cook himself up a little bit um, and ultimately would dissipate the energy. However, the way it's written is if you take in too much power, you can kill yourself by doing that, by absorbing too much energy, um, which is ultimately what happened to him in Sao Paulo is he um, absorbed too much energy and it was, it was not possible for him to physically uh, survive the amount of um, energy he was trying to absorb. So that's a big one for me as well. Um, I think the last one that I think was interesting is one that I'm not, 100% sure I remember the name of, but is Spider-Man's swinging power. You basically can create a web or a rope that for whatever reason allows you to move from one place to another. Um, that was in a non-core book in the first edition, that power, and I'm glad that it's in the core book so you could build Spider-Man if you wanted to. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so for me that was just like, yay, I'm glad this is here. Uh, if I wanted to build him, I could do that in this system mechanically. This was also done during the the reign of uh, White Wolf's Everything Must Have a Metaplot, at least originally. I, I assume this world is is overrun with existing characters and such that you can just drop into your game or that have provided driving action in the past. Uh, who are some of the returning favorites or who are some of the key figures and personalities in the world of Aberrant? That's a great question, and there are many of them. Uh, we've already talked about Randall Portman, the fireman. We've talked about Divis Maul. 
who Divismal is the leader of the Terrigen. He is the figure that uh, espoused this idea of Terras, um, this sense of uh, being a, a separate species from humanity. Um, in the story, they call themselves the One Race. I think that's a little bit... Uh, there are some negative implications of that term, but I think it's an interesting one for people to play with and decide, like, how much do we lean into that if we're playing a Terrigen game? Do we agree with it? Do we disagree with it? Um, there's some moral questioning that you can do if you're going to play a Terrigen game. Um, there's also figures like um, Cestus Pax, um, or might be Kestus Pax, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I know that Ian Watson will correct me if I'm mis pronouncing anyone's name, um, which I appreciate. Um, he is a figure that is the leader of Project Utopia's Nova uh, squad, basically. He is Superman. He has all of these powers that basically make him, in a lot of ways, very similar to a Superman type of figure. He can fly. He, has, he is bulletproof. He can leap top buildings with a single bound. Um, all of that sort of stuff he's got. Um, in first edition, he's evil, 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 and just pretends to be good. He's very much similar to the boys character. Um, Homelander. Homelander, thank you. Um, who is a horrible person, but pretends to be a good one on TV. Um, in second edition, he's a pretty stand-up dude, uh, or at least it seems like in this first book that he's still a lot more on the level and trying to be a good person and trying to do good things with the world. Um, there's also Jennifer Slider. So in first edition, um, Slider is a beloved media personality. Uh, in 1998, when this book first came out, it was uh, a world where cable TV was the big thing. And uh, Nova TV was going to be the future of uh, everything that was important to Nova's. Now today we've got social media in this edition of uh, aberrant slider is a social media personality. Uh, she travels around the world. She has the ability to warp um, anywhere she wants to around the world. And slider um, has a really popular social media channel, YouTube channel or NTube channel, I think. Um, N with exclamation mark being a signifier for all of the things that are Nova related uh, in the media sphere, which is why this is, the podcast is called the Endcast because it is a reference to that. Um, there are a whole bunch of other named characters coming from first edition into second edition. Um, there is the Daedalus League run by the Karangians, um, who are who were a mistake in the first edition. The uh, Janos Karangian, uh, uh, Karangian. Uh, I'm not 100 sure on the last name there. Um, was mistakenly written as Janus in one book. So they were one character. In second edition, they've made them two separate characters, twins who erupted at the same time, who believe in traveling into space and opening up all these opportunities for humanity to explore the solar system, explore extrasolar space, um, and eventually to colonize other planets. So I love the reference to first edition there with these two characters. And I love the fact that the Daedalus League is a thing. It's one of my favorite parts of first, uh, or I should say of second edition is this new organization that you can be a part of. That's just about hope and uh, exploring the universe. 
which I find uh, incredibly endearing because I'm a Star Trek nerd. Hmm. So what makes this game different than playing Marvel superheroes or masks a new generation? For me, it's the system is a part of it. I think the system is really elegantly designed in that it does what it's supposed to do very, very well. It's a crunchy system, which I think you sort of need with superhero games. There are some games out there that try to be superhero games with rules light or um, story focused systems as opposed to mechanically focused systems. Um, That is kind of an arbitrary line that I've decided to put in the sand, but I think it is helpful to have some heavy mechanics behind your super stuff. I think it helps you differentiate your character from other characters. It allows you to feel like you're capable of the things that you know you're capable of. Um, And then there's the world. For me, this setting, in a setting that is similar in some regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but is also reminiscent of The Boys, or uh, of Watchmen, or of other deconstructionist superhero settings, this is a good example of a hopeful but deconstructed superhero setting, where you've got realistic people who in some ways are out for themselves, or out for the money, or out for fame and fortune. What would happen if they became superheroes in our real world? What would the world look like if superheroes were to uh, just appear and cause all these changes to society? The aberrant setting, I think, does a really good job of saying, this is one way that things could go. And with both editions, you have two different, totally uh, different takes on that. You've got the dark take, where things are terrible, and you're like, oh, wow, this is really like bad how things have gone. And then you've got the second edition, which is like, you know what? People need some hope. And I think people with superpowers would actually do some good things. These are the good things. These are the gray areas. These are some of the dark elements of the setting. But you've got a realistic uh, panoply of options before you. Is there anything that didn't make the jump from first edition that you wish had? Hmm, that is a good question. I don't know that I've spent enough time with second edition to have any ideas of that. I'm like, I wish this had come from first edition into second edition. I do, that's not true. In some ways, the Terrigen are right in first edition because they know that Project Utopia is doing dark things in the background. In some ways, I would have some of that dark activity still be happening in my aberrant games because I think it gives the Terrigen a more, I want to say, not nuanced, but slightly more sympathetic angle because you can see, oh, this is the reason why they are taking these actions against Project Utopia because they know that Project Utopia is doing all these things that they're um, sterilizing Novas and they're um, setting up this situation where they know uh, ways to kill everybody if they need to. I would make those things a little bit more present in my game probably, but in the core setting, it's not 
as dark as that. Those elements are present to some degree. The Medusa protocols do exist. Project Utopia does have a list of this is how we will kill every Nova on the planet if we need to. But it's much more written as a, we have this as just in case, not we are actively planning to do this. Um, so maybe a little bit of those elements of the dark Project Utopia I would bring in, but I'm quite comfortable with a hopeful setting as well. So it all depends on kind of what my group wanted, which direction I would take that as a storyteller story guide. Since this is wholly owned by Onyx Path, do we have a list of support publications that are going to come out for it? And if so, what might be in those? There are a couple of books that are coming out. Um, there's a jumpstart that's coming out that's going to be a pre-made adventure for you to run um, right out of the book. There's uh, an XWF wrestling book that is coming out. Um, XWF being a reference to something that existed in the first edition. There's a uh, extreme wrestling federation where Novas would, would wrestle with one another uh, using their Nova powers. Um, very like cool idea, I think. And they're bringing that into second edition as well. So that's going to be a book that's coming out. There are some other books that I know are in process, but I don't know tons about them. Um, I know there's going to be a ready-made character book and some things like that. I'm excited for whatever they produce for Aberrant. Um, I would, I will buy every uh, thing that they decide to put out. And I am sure that they're going to do some things that uh, provide you different options and opportunities to explore the universe of Aberrant, um, whether that's going to be setting books or whether that's going to be um, different adventures or things like that. There are going to be some different things like that. Um, and of course, they're eventually going to open Aberrant to the Story Path Nexus, the Story Path Nexus being their community content support program. Um, I have been thinking about different ideas that I would like to produce for the Story Path Nexus. We'll see if I can ever get over my writer's block, if I will do those things. Um, but I am getting excited thinking about writing for uh, the Nexus and Aberrant. So I'm sure other people will be as well. So you've laid out a, a bunch about this, this game. Uh, what other installments are left for the Trinity continuum that we know of? So there are two that are in development right now. There's Adventure, with an exclamation point, which is going to be set in the 1930s and is a pulp action um, game. It was uh, originally the last of the games in the original trilogy, the, that trilogy being Aeon, the sci-fi setting, Aberrant, the superhero setting, and Adventure, the um, setting for pulp heroics. In this new timeline, things have been moved up from the 20s to the 30s for Adventure, it's going to be a little bit more Nazi punching and things like that, which I'm excited for. Um, it is going to be a fun uh, excursion into um, a setting that I love. I love pulp action games, and I am going to enjoy adventure when it comes out. Um, there's also going to be Anima. Anima is a, a little bit farther along uh, setting from Aberrant. It's between Aberrant and Aeon. It's a setting where instead of, um, it's right after the Aberrant War, and it's going to be a cyberpunk slash lit RPG setting. So 
it is a mishmash of two different ideas. It's the idea that everyone in the world or lots of people in the world are playing this MMO, which is a fantasy setting, MMO, set in this post-apocalyptic world where it's a cyberpunk world where most people are playing this MMO. And you're going to have the opportunity to play in both of those settings as part of that game. You're going to play in both the cyberpunk space and the fantasy MMO space. I'm really excited for Anima because it's a completely new game for the Trinity Continuum. And the idea, the concept is really, really neat to me where you're going to be able to play a story path game that is a fantasy game and or a story path game that is a cyberpunk game all within the Trinity Continuum continuum. Okay. <laughs> it's confusing. I think Anima is a little bit confusing as an idea, but I think from what I've heard of it, it's going to turn out really, really well. So I'm excited for it. We shall see if Danielle Crunchdock Lozon is on it. I believe in it. Um, I just wanted to refer to Danielle as the Crunchdock. Um, so uh, what are the questions, if any, that I didn't ask you that you would like to state the answers to? I think you covered everything. There was one question that I was hoping you'd ask, which was what um, is my favorite change? I think you actually asked that question. Um, and for me, that's the fireman. Like all of the changes to his story make sense to me. They resonate really strongly with me. Um, this game was the game of my like heart for RPGs. First edition is the game that I absolutely love. If anyone asks me, what's your top five RPGs of all time? Aberrant is usually either one or two, or sometimes when I'm feeling weird about supers games, it'll drop to number three, but it's always been in the top three of my RPG games. Um, the very first RPG I ran after I joined the army and went to Korea was Aberrant. I got a little group together to run that. Um, it's the game I keep going back to time and time again. Second edition is using a system that I really appreciate and enjoy, and I'm looking forward to running this as much, if not more, than I did first edition. Um, I could picture myself running chronicle after chronicle after chronicle and not getting sick of this game. I say that now, I may get sick of it eventually, but um, if anyone out there wants to run Aberrant for me, please let me know. I would be excited to play. Um, other than that, I do anticipate that I will be uh, running and playing some Aberrant uh, very, very soon if I can make it happen. Awesome. If we did not back the Kickstarter and we would like to get in on this aberrant goodness, uh, where can we do that? So BackerKit is still open for Aberrant. If you want to get access to the book, you can do so through BackerKit. Um, you can also check it out on DriveThruRPG when it is released. We've got the pre-release copy of the PDF out right now. That's the one that I'm reading. There's still some art that is, needs to come in for that. There's still proofing that is being done on the book. Um, it'll be a few months before it is released in its final edition, but I am confident that we'll see it before summer of next year at the very, very latest. Awesome. Um, and what's the next NCAST episode going to be on? I think the next NCAST episode is probably going to be on adventure when adventure hits the Kickstarter phase, which is 
coming up fairly soon, or it might be about one of the uh, Aeon expansion books. There's actually a book called Aeon Expansion, spelled with an A-E. Um, maybe I will do a podcast on that because I am enjoying all the Aeon books as well. I haven't talked as much about Aeon as I have the aberrant stuff because it doesn't catch me quite as much, but it's still something that I'm excited about that I enjoy a lot. So I think I'll spend some time doing some Aeon books soon. Awesome. Well, Terry, thank you very, very much for joining me and asking me questions about Aberrant. Um, this has been a wonderful edition of the Encast, and I hope everyone enjoys it. And if you have any questions for me or for the developers, please reach out to them via social media. Uh, I'm sure they will be excited to talk about Aberrant. I know that Ian Watson is always excited to talk about it. I am excited to talk about it. So if you have any questions for me, um, if you have any questions for Terry, you can reach out to Terry, I'm sure. He would be happy to talk to you. I don't know if he would have any answers necessarily, but is there I would any just place? Be, I would just be rapidly looking things up on the White Wolf Wiki as things were happening. But if you're curious and finding out what I'm doing in the old world of darkness, particularly Mage the Ascension or the old, old world of darkness, which is to say exalted third edition. Uh, you can find out more at magethepodcast.com or exaltcast.com. Which if folks have not checked out either one of those podcasts, they are wonderful. The uh, mage, the podcast is a fantastic delve into everything mage and the XL cast uh, or the systematic understanding of everything. I believe Yep, is a wonderful expiration into uh, Exalted. So I recommend people go check those out. I'm thinking of starting a talk show for Onyx Path, but I haven't pitched it yet. But we'll see, we'll see how long COVID lasts. But that's everything for me. Okay, I'm excited if that becomes a thing, Terry. I'm just saying that would be cool. I want to do something called Tuesdays with Terry, which is just a, uh, a call-in show on Twitch, I think. My original idea was, uh, what well, I had a, had a couple of things. We'll see if it comes together. I don't know if this is a case of I am trying to find more ways to distract myself from the current exam for which I am studying, sure. or if this is something that will actually materialize once that exam is done. Uh, but until then, that's where you can find me and Terry out. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening to the NCAST. Go out there and be hopeful. <laughs>